Right. Well, happy Mother's Day, moms. It's been said, and it's true, that God invented moms. And none of us would be here, regardless of what you may feel about motherhood, or even your mom, right? Because our life experiences do not redefine God or His truth. God invented moms, and none of us would be here without a mom. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The world would not be where it is today without moms. So today my message is called, What is a Mother? And you might be thinking, that's a ridiculous question. Why do we even have to talk about this? We know the answer, and I would assume everyone here knows the answer to what a mother is. Why do we even have to address this? Because in today's culture, outside of your little safety bubble, they're attempting to redefine what words mean. As a matter of fact, they're attempting to rewrite complete works of literature and history. I just saw that this week, as a matter of fact. I know it's a little off topic, but, you know, big tech and Amazon and these companies, it was brought up by Jack Hibbs, as a matter of fact, concerning Bible. How many of you carry a actual Bible, right? And it's not just on your phone or on your iPad. I mean, I have that too. But Amazon and companies like this, it, the, you know, those companies that have pledged their allegiance to the gods of the new world order, they, they want you to read what they believe. They want, you to, they want to change what you read so it supports their current agenda. So what I mean by that is companies like Amazon, what they're doing is, is they're going, they're either getting the rights to the books that they don't have, or they're contacting the authors and getting the rights to their catalogs, or their, you know, they got the money, right? And most people answer to the almighty dollar. So they're getting the rights to that, and they're either changing what the books say and then publishing them digitally because it's a lot less costly. They don't need to print actual books anymore. They just change them digitally. So now when you read a book online, oh, I remember that book. I read it when I was a kid. And you get it, and you start reading it on your iPad, and all of a sudden you're like, I don't remember this. This isn't exactly what I remember it said, right? So they're, they're actually changing it. Right? They're rewriting books digitally. Books that they feel are racist or books that they feel are misogynistic or show a history that they don't want to admit is real. Whatever the case may be, they're rewriting them or they're just no longer publishing them. They're buying up the rights and destroying the books if they can. Um, and that's not a conspiracy theory, believe it or not. Authors like Dr. Seuss and even Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond novels, they're going after the James Bond novels. They want to adjust and rewrite those so they're more appropriate for our times. I'm not sure how they're not appropriate for our times, considering everything that he did pretty much goes, you know, it's a standard thing nowadays. But anyway, they've all been caught up in this. So uh, just as a side note, again, you want to preserve the truth, this is what you need to do. Go buy books, right? We, we went up to the tulip fields. We were in Mount Vernon. We walked in this bookstore. I don't remember what it was called, but it was floor-to-ceiling books, floor-to-ceiling, all these old I mean, they had really old books and they had some newer stuff, but just all used and books and hard to find, floor to ceiling, just stacks and stacks and stacks, two, two, three, four rooms full of books. It's a store like that when I walk in with my wife where it's like, well, here, here you go, have your phone, call me when, you know, in a couple of years from now, if you decide to come back out of this store, 
But if you want to help preserve the truth and preserve history, go to go buy books and start saving books, actual books. Like I said, that's sort of off topic, but it's not really off topic because they're rewriting and redefining what words mean, and even the Bible is a problem for them. And I don't know if you remember, but it's California who tried to pass a law. They claim it wasn't for this, but they're trying to pass a law that would have banned the Bible because it, talks, it taught sexual morality, and it went against with what California believes. Right? So they tried to pass a bill that would essentially have banned the Bible from being used. It didn't pass. So why is the Bible a threat? The Bible's a threat because it's the absolute truth. It's God's word. And it teaches a couple of things that the culture today doesn't, not just a couple of things, but at least a couple of things, right? That the culture today doesn't agree with. One is that marriage is just between a man and a woman and that there are only two genders, male and female. Those two things go against, fly in the face of everything that's being taught today. Right? I mean, there's no gender fluidity in the Bible. So they're re- trying to redefine what words mean. Words like truth, words like love, words like sex, words like marriage, racism, justice, nationalism, patriotism, tolerance. All these words are being redefined. And the list goes on. So they're trying to redefine them so that these words no longer mean what they've always meant. You can find yourself getting in trouble when you're using them now because to you, they've meant something entirely different than what they mean today. I mean, and caught up within that, of course, is man and woman. Right? What is a woman? If we watch that documentary, it's on Daily Wire. You can go watch it. It's well worth watching. Uh, you might think that's an easy question. And again, for you, it probably is a very easy question for you to answer, right? For us who believers who are grounded in God's word, it's, a, it's not a difficult question for us. What's a woman? Oh, let me describe it. Let me describe a woman to you, right? But, but you ask that question to a career politician, specifically, it seems Democrats, they don't know how to answer that question, right? Most major celebrities, you ask them that question, they don't know how to answer that question. Truthfully, they don't want to answer that question. It gets them in trouble with the culture. And if they do have a question, it's not going to make any sense and it's going to make your head spin. I mean, we have gotten to a place in our society where today we deny actual biology. Right? Those who are telling you to follow the science don't follow the science. They only follow it when it works for them. But it works against what they're trying to tell you, then they don't follow it at all. And yet we're supposed to somehow trust these people with the future of our country and our bodies. They don't even know what they're talking about. Right? So, what is a mother? Before we start, let's get this out of the way. Because this is the ground floor. This is the, this is the, uh, you know, the foundation upon which we are building. Mother is a biological female, a woman that has given birth to a child or has adopted a child or is a foster mom or is a stepmom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's a, a lot of women out there today who have never actually given birth, but who are mothers. The key point here is that a mother is a biological female. She's a woman. That is ground zero, and then from there that we build. So we're going to read Proverbs 31, 10 through uh, 31. It's one of the most quoted 
passages of scripture for Mother's Day. There's a lot of great stories of mothers in the Bible where you can see the character of a mother. But we're just going to read this one really quick. My Bible says it's the woman who fears the, a woman who fears the Lord, but it's still in context here. This is a wife who has kids, so it's a mother. Okay? Verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this word, and I pray, Lord, you just speak to each of us this morning, that your spirit just speak to us and help us and guide us in these days that we're in, Lord, and encourage us and strengthen us to, to stand up for the truth of your word and to not back down. We just thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So what is a mother? For our purpose this morning, it's really what is a godly mother, okay, because this is the characteristics of a godly mother. And we cannot hold the characteristics of a godly mother to a mother who doesn't follow Christ. So this is what is a godly mother. For fun, though, I thought I would look up how the oldest dictionary defined a mother. Now, this is the oldest dictionary I could find, that is. The oldest dictionary I could find is called the Samuel Johnson Dictionary. It's almost 250 years old. It's from 1775. A mother is a woman that is born a child. There you go. Simple definition, right? So I said, well, if it's a woman that born a child, what is, how does this dictionary define a woman? Well, the dictionary defines a woman as the female of the human race. All right, perfect. Well, I said, well, how does this dictionary define a female? A female is a she, one of the sex which brings young. And for, to support their definitions, they quote Scripture. Okay, Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. A dictionary that uses scripture to define its definitions. Only back in 1775. I looked at the next oldest dictionary I could find. It was the Webster's Dictionary from 1828, which is about 195 years ago. And it said pretty much the exact same thing. A mother is a female parent, especially one of the human race. A woman who has born a child, Genesis 3.20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. 
Women as the female of the human race, grown to adult years, quotes Genesis 2.22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And female is one of that sex which conceives and brings forth young. Again, a dictionary that uses Bibles, the Bible, to support its definitions. So then we move forward a little. Not as old. Let's go to Webster's Dictionary 1913. Right, that's 110 years ago. A mother is a female parent. Again, a woman who has born a child. A woman is an adult female person. These all, hey, these definitions don't really seem like they've changed much over all the time that you read them. A female is an individual of the sex which conceives and brings forth young. So for almost 200 years, what we see in these dictionaries is basically all dictionaries and definitions concerning mothers and women pretty much said the exact same thing. They never changed. And even in many cases, they use the Bible, as I said, to support their definitions. But today, sadly, read the dictionary. Webster's from 2023. It starts off really good. A mother is a female parent. A woman, an adult female person. That has the capacity to bear young and produce eggs. But then they add this little line that says, having a gender identity that is the opposite of male. Right, so it's subtle. Webster Dictionary is very subtle about it. Not everybody is as subtle, but Webster Dictionary is very subtle about it. What is popular today? What do dictionary are most of your kids looking up, even if they know what a dictionary is? Right? Yeah. I mean, Wikipedia, possibly. How about AI? My kids use AI for everything. They're going to get through school with great grades. So I asked ChatGPT, I said, what is a mother? Hmm? A mother is typically defined as a female parent who has given birth to or raised a child. Okay? The role of a mother can be much more than just providing physical care to a child. Mothers often play a crucial role in shaping their child's emotional and psychological development, providing love, support, guidance, and nurturing that can help their children grow into healthy and happy. Happy individuals. Oh, so far so good. Sounds great. However, it goes on to say, the concept of motherhood can't be culturally and socially constructed, or can be culturally and socially constructed, can vary across different societies and contexts. So motherhood's a social construct? Is what it's saying? Hmm, let's continue on. I asked it, what is a female? Oh, the term female is generally used to describe the biological sex of an organism that has reproductive organs that produce, an e that produce ova, eggs, and can give birth or produce offspring. In humans, the female sex is characterized by having two X chromosomes and typically having female reproductive organs such as ovaries and a uterus and on. And I thought to myself, wow, the AI understands biology better than most politicians do. But then it says, it's important to note that gender and sex are not always the same thing. Oh, wait a minute. What did my Bible say about that? Oh, my Bible says they are the same thing. Male and female, man and woman, gender and sex are the exact same thing. But it says it's important to note that gender and sex are not always the same thing. While sex is determined by biological factors, gender refers to the social and cultural roles, behaviors, and expectations that are associated with being male or female in a particular society or context. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I said, what's a woman? This is the tricky question for a lot of people, right? Well, it says, a woman is an adult female human being, typically characterized by physical and biological traits, such as the ability to give birth and produce offspring. Oh, very good. 
However, the concept of being a woman is not just limited to biology, but also includes various cultural, social, and psychological aspects that shapes the person's identity and experiences. Mm -hmm. In most societies, the term woman is used to describe a person who identifies and presents themselves as a female. And then it says, it's important to note that not all people who identify as female may fit into these narrow stereotypes. And individuals may have their own unique experiences and identities that go beyond traditional gender norms and expectations. What does that all mean? Well, it means that the world today believes that gender is a social construct, that your sex is a reference to your biological and physiological differences between males and females, but gender is a social and cultural construct. And that's not true. It's not true. Just because someone doesn't want to identify as a man or a woman or does not want to conform to what they consider traditional gender roles does not change the truth. Gender and sex are the same thing. God created the male and female, man and woman. That's it. It stops there. There are not hundreds of genders. Once again, right, our life's experience does not redefine God or his truth. God's word is the absolute truth. And all of this, moms, mothers, do not come in different genders. They're only women. Now, I mean no disrespect to the single father who's raising their ch children, right? God bless them. They have to, in many ways, do the duties of both parents. But they are still just the father. They are not a mother. That's the way God designed it. And it's the same for single mothers, too. They are just the mother. They are not the father, right? It's just the way, it's the way God designed it. In a perfect world, and I know we don't live in a perfect world, we live in the fallen world. But in a perfect world, the two are to be married and they're two to be one in Christ, but each has their own specific individual abilities and purposes that the other doesn't have. Moms have a special heart to love and minister to her children in a way that the dad can't, and vice versa. It's the way God designed it. Right? I am not a mother. I don't have a desire to be a mother. There is a reason that when my kids want a little more solace and maybe a little more compassion, they don't ask for me. They ask for Julie. Where's mom? I, I need to talk to mom. Where's mom? Why, what's wrong? Can I help you? No. Right? No. They ask for Julie. Because a mother is often a caregiver. A mother is a doctor. The dad says, oh, it's just a flesh wound. Right? I don't see anything serious coming out of that hole. You're fine. <laughs> mother is full of hugs and kisses and band-aids and a really weird, strange amount of medical knowledge that you didn't know they had. Whereas the dad just... He just says, hey, live with it. Or the, we'll say, go ask your mom. <laughs> Mother's a housekeeper, a cooker, a baker, a taxi driver. She's even a psychologist. And those are just on the good days. Right? I mean, kids learn certain truths quickly from mom. Which is, nothing is lost until mom can't find it. There's a truth that you learn really quick. I can't find this. It must be lost. Mom's like, no, it's not lost yet. Let me look for it. 
Matter of fact, they learned this, is Irma, Irma Bombeck is the one who originally said this, but kids learned this really quick, which is when your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? She's not actually asking a question. Doesn't matter what you say, yes, no. She's gonna give you a piece of advice. That's what she's telling you. That's just a formality. Husbands know this too, right? When, when your wife asks you a question, she's not really asking you a question. She's telling you something. Being a mom is never not being a mom. You're not only a mother to your own children, but your mother to the neighborhood kids as well, as you will find out, like if you come to our house. And moms never ever get the credit that they deserve. Mom's job is never done. It doesn't end. I saw this quote that said, I told my mom I thought parenting got easier as the kids get older. And my mom laughed so hard she cried a little. It doesn't get easier. It just changes as they get older. The way you parent and how you have to address your children. You remember them when they were this big and they were crawling around on the floor and pooping all over you. And now they're this big. Right? Hudson's as tall as I am. And you still think they're this big. And you're trying to sometimes parent them like they're still the little toddler that you wish they were. But they've grown up and you have to parent them differently. It never ends. But as I said, our nation would not be the same without moms. The world would not be the same without moms. There are people who understand this. You understand this. I understand this. President Roosevelt understood this. There are presidents who have understood this. Not today. But there are presidents in the past who have understood this. Because you won't hear any current, many current presidents say this. But this is what President Roosevelt, he said, when it is all said, it is the mother and the mother only who is a better citizen than the soldier who fights for his country. The successful mother, the mother who does her part in rearing and training are right, the boys and girls who are to be the men and the women of the next generation, is of greater use to the community and occupies, if she would only realize it, a more honorable as well as a more important position than any man. The mother is the one supreme asset of national life. She is more important by far than the successful statesman or businessman or artist or scientist. Yeah, he's absolutely correct. That's a mother. Well, here's the thing. Satan knows this too. We've said many times that Satan cannot defeat God, so he attacks those who were created in the image of God. He attacks you and me. Right now, there is a battle going on in the world in which we live. It's on many different fronts, but one of the battles, besides there's abortion, and the other battles has to do with gender, right? Transsexual. What is a man? What is a woman? What is non-binary? What are all these things? Which is why women are being attacked and erased, as it were, by culture. Because the culture wants men to be women. When the culture is allowing men to compete in women's sports and men to be in women's locker rooms, the culture does not care about women. And quite frankly, women should be upset about this. Women should be fighting against this. Every woman that believes in women's rights should be standing up and saying, this isn't right. Why do we have men in our locker room? Why do we have men competing in women's sports? There are professional 
women sports, I can't remember the lady's name off the top of my head, who have basically withdrawn now from competitions and aren't competing in their sports arena anymore because of men being allowed into it. And they're speaking against it and they're losing, right? They're losing all their, uh, you know, the people who sponsor, all their sponsorships and, and stuff like that. But they're speaking up and they're standing up for what's right. They're like, this is not right. And if you're the mother of a girl, if you have a daughter, this should be so wrong to you. You should be standing up against it. I'm not going to let my daughter compete in a situation like that. That's not right. right. Women of the Year, USA Today Magazine was what? It's a biological man. International Women of Courage Award was issued to what? A biological man. NCAA Women of the Year nominee was what? A biological man. Do you get the picture? It's the world in which we live in today. Motherhood, womanhood in America is under attack. It's satanic. It's demonic. It's purposeful. It's under attack worldwide, but it's all under attack here in America as well. Documents just released from the Department of Homeland Security show that the current administration believes that middle-aged pro-life moms are either potentially abusive or potential domestic terrorists. That's how they view them. That's how the current administration looks at moms. Why? Because they oppose abortion. That's why. Right? So it's important for us today to understand what a mother is and for mothers today, for women today, because <clears throat> it's not just mothers, it's women, to understand who they are as well, but not as the world defines them, but as God defines them. That's what's important because your identity is not found in motherhood. Your identity is not found in being a mother as great as that is, that's not what your identity is. Your identity is in Christ. And if your identity is found in these other things, if you put your identity entirely in just the fact that you're a mother or that you're a wife or your job or whatever, when those things crumble, when, when those things disappear, when those things change and you can't perform those duties the way that you used to, then that affects your identity. It affects how you think of yourself. That causes problems. Your identity needs to be in Christ Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And who says he will never, ever leave you or let go of you. That's where your identity needs to be. So today, women need to understand what, a, what we need to understand. Not just what a mother is, but what a woman is. But women need to understand as well who they are, but not as the world defines them, but as how God defines them. Right? So we're going to pull a few verses out of what I read. I'm not going to do the, the entire thing. A lot of them complement each other. But we're going to pull a few verses out of what I read in, in Proverbs 31. And again, to remind you, in context, Proverbs 31, it's applied, it's, it's applied to women in general. But remember, it's a married woman with kids. It's a mother. Okay? And these verses here in Proverbs 31 are given as a guide. They're given as a goal if you will, for the Christian woman, showing the kind of character that she can and should have as she fears and follows the Lord. Right? So another way to think of this is, is this is a picture of a Christian mother whose identity is found in Jesus. Okay? Start right at the beginning, verse 10, 10a. It says, an excellent wife who can find 
In the Hebrew, that word means also virtuous. Your translation might say virtuous. That word can also be translated mighty men of valor. Okay? It's the same word. What that shows for a mother, about a mother, about your wife possibly, guys, is that she has power, strength, honor, compassion, and the wisdom that comes from the Lord. She's excellent. She's virtuous. We see this reflected again down in verse 17 that says she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Also in verse 25 that says strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs. She laughs at the time to come. She's strong in the Lord and she looks. She doesn't matter what time and age that you live in or what's coming down the road because her strength is found in the Lord. She looks at it and she says, we're good. We're good. Just laugh at that, right? It says that she girds herself for the hard work ahead, right? For the physical labor. We see all this, this also in verse 13. It says she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. In verse 19, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Right? So she girds herself for the work that needs to be done as a mother. She's dressed and ready to do the work, whatever the work may be, right? She works with willing hands. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. That wouldn't surprise me at all to wake up one morning and find that my wife had planted a vineyard in the backyard. I just not would, be, I would not be surprised at all. I, I wouldn't even be shocked. I'd be like, what's that in the backyard? Oh, I planted a vineyard. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go to work now. I, I wouldn't even be shocked. She doesn't stop. She doesn't stop. She's constantly working. The last few days, she's been painting the house. One room, actually. We've got a new carpet put in her bedroom. She's been painting. She just, and, but she's not just painting. She's also having to you know, go do errands and go help out a friend of ours with her mother and other things. She's spent like four hours over there easily. She's doing all this stuff. She doesn't stop. She just can do it because she's drunk, dressed with strength and honor. She's girded up or ready to go, just continues to work because she knows what work needs to be done. It's an example you're setting for your children. Not just that, but also for your lazy husbands who just sit on the couch. (laughs) You're showing them that you'd be ready for the work and just continue to do the work. But she isn't just dressed or girded up for the hard work ahead, but also for whatever battles or difficult actions that she may need to take later. This is what we affectionately refer to as the mama bear side, right? Right? Yeah. You, we think, oh, mothers and wives are just meek and gentle. Yeah, until you poke them with a stick, right? And then they're no longer meek and gentle. 
They're girded up and ready. They're, they're dressed with strength and honor. They're ready. they're ready for the battle. You may not understand it. You may not see it because of how they're dealing with you because you haven't provoked them. But you mess with their children. You mess with their husband. You mess with them and you provoke them. Then you're going to find the other side of women that has to do with their strength and their honor. Because they are dressed up and ready for whatever battles or difficult actions need to be taken. Right? I saw this. It said the police recruit was asked during the exam, what would you do if you had to arrest your own mother? He said, I'd call for backup. <laughs> it's those situations that a mother, when she gets put in those situations, and someone will be like, come alongside her, and they'll, they'll say, hey, hey, right? don't go off crazy now what would Jesus do that often you'll find a mother or your wife reply back well flipping tables and chasing people with a whip was within the realm of possibilities (laughs) that's a mother we haven't gone very far 10b says she is far more precious than jewels Every guy here say amen. All right, didn't say it loud enough. Amen. amen. All right, very good. She is far more valuable than jewels. Often that word is translated rubies in the Hebrew. The finest quality rubies right now can fetch over a million dollars a carat. Okay? A godly mother, godly wife is more valuable than that. Matter of fact, I would say she's priceless. All right? Verse 11, a mother is trustworthy. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. Now listen, it's the heart of the husband that trusts in her. It's not just that the husband trusts her. The husband has given her his heart. Right? He has safely given her his trust because she has his heart. He knows that without a doubt that this home is in safe hands. She has integrity. The home is blessed because of her. It says there will be no lack of gain. Right? She does them good. She does the family good. It says that she does good to him all the days of her life. Not harm. Good. Right? Her commitment to her husband is not false or fickle, and he knows that. He understands that. He trusts in that. The husband has a perfect confidence in his wife. Verse 15 tells us that a mother provides. says she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maiden. I'm not going to tell you what the kids are doing downstairs, but I'm just going to tell you that Jody and Martin drove all the way back from eastern Washington last night. And when they got home, Jody stayed all up all night preparing what the kids are doing downstairs for you. Jody fits right in here too. Martin knows that. She works at all hours, provides food for the household. I already told you, my wife works all hours. Verse 21 said that she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet, which seems kind of odd because you're like, what does scarlet have to do with keeping warm in the snow? What, we can see you more? When you're covered, you know, buried in the snow out there, there's a red fleck over there. 
That's where the kids are. That's where the kids are. Actually, what it means in the Hebrew is that it's, it, it uh, is double, um, double thick. It means the garments are double thick. So that's what it, it's kind of a bad translation, but it, they're all clothed in warm garments. They're double thick. She provides warm clothes for her house. It says that she makes linen garments and sells them, as it says in verse 24, right? She provides. She is not idle. She does not partake of the bread of idleness. She looks well to the ways of her household. Right? Verse 20, a mother is compassionate. Right? It says that she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. In verse 26, it says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. The mother is compassionate. She teaches that compassion to her kids. My wife always used to carry and still does for the most part food in the car for her to hand out to homeless people on, you know, on the corner or whatever. And it used to be back in the days when our kids were younger and we went to what, Wick or, or whatever it was, and we always had, you know, 300 boxes of Cheerios and 42 gallons of milk sitting around the house. We, we always had so much extra of that that we kept some in the car, which was always a surprise to the homeless guy on the corner when he was expecting you maybe to give him, you know, some money or, or a sandwich or something. <laughs> Julie would roll down the window, hand him a box of Cheerios and a gallon of milk and go, here you! Right? But she had compassion, and she teaches that compassion to her kids. I was with Hudson one Christmas and we were at Fred Meyer's just picking up some stuff. And he saw a guy with a sign across the street and he said, and it was cold out. It was like partially snowing. It was really cold weather. Um, and he said, Dad, that, I want to get that guy something. I said, what do you want to get him? He goes, well, it's, it's cold out. I want to get him a wool hat. I want to get him a, a hat. I said, all right. So we bought him a gift card and we bought him a hat. And Hudson and I walked across the street and Hudson gave him to the guy. It's a heart of compassion that my son has because my wife taught him. She showed him by example. He has that compassion. Why do I tell you all this? Well, it's not easy in today's world to raise kids. Matter of fact, they say statistics show now that less and less young couples are even entertaining the idea. It used to be, it was just a normal thing, right? Different generations were way, raised different ways. So, so they just say, hey, we're going to grow up, get married, and have children. That's two plus two equals four. That's what you do. But now the kids are grown up, and they're like, one, we don't really want to get married, and two, we're definitely not going to have kids. Less and less are even entertaining the idea because they look outside, they watch the news, they read the news, and they're like, I don't want to raise kids in this. And that's part of the reason. So I know it's not easy to, in today's world to raise kids, to teach your kids how to behave and to teach your kids what is true. The world is a crazy mess. There's many people who are deceived, and the truth is a foreign concept to many people out there because truth is one of those words that have been redefined and it's no longer, I mean, you can't say that truth is relative because it's actually no longer truth then. Truth is absolute. It has to be absolute or you can't call it truth. If you try to say, yes, there is truth, but it's relative, well, then it's no longer truth. It can't be truth. Truth can't be relative. It's against the idea of what truth is. But truth is a foreign concept to many people today. 
But listen, mothers, moms, grandmas, great-grandmas, you're all out there. Now it is more important than ever to speak into the lives of your children, but not just your children, your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You know the truth. If you were a godly, Christian, Jesus-loving mom, you know the truth. So speak it. Teach it. Not just to your own kids, but to their kids. We have neighbor kids who come to our house, and they don't have great parental guidance. Let's just put it that way. And they don't always make the best choices about what they're looking at or what they're watching. But when they come to our house, we tell them, that's not really a good choice for you. You shouldn't watch that. Well, my mom lets me watch it. Well, I'm not your mom. Right? It's not a good choice. You shouldn't watch it. I don't want to upset the relationship that we have with these children's parents, but at the same time, I'm not going to lie to the children and I'm going to tell them what's good for them. If they're in our house, they're going to learn what's right and what's true, even if it goes against what they're told in their house. And if their parents end up having a problem with that, then that's fine. But I'm still going to teach it to them while they're in my house. Right? You know the truth, speak it, teach it. Listen, let me give you these stats and you will understand what you're up against. This is the world that you are up against because it comes down to identity. It comes down to an identity crisis. An identity crisis doesn't even begin to describe what your kids may go through or how your kids may be being lied to and misled in today's world. It doesn't even begin to describe it. But let's go back to 1946. Anybody here born in 1946? He's part of the baby boomer generation, right? 1946 to 1964, 2.6% of the baby boomer generation identified today as LGBTQ, okay? 2.6%, small number. Generation X, 1965 to 1975, that's me, my wife, right? Maybe some of you, 4.2% identify. 4.2% identify as LGBTQ from our generation. Millennials, 1980 to 1994, 10.5% identify as LGBTQ. You see where this is going? Generation Z, 1995 to 2012. That's all three of my kids, okay? 20.8% of Generation Z identify as LGBTQ. Generation Alpha, you didn't even know it was called that, did you? 2013 to 2025, 41.6% identify as LGBTQ. I'm not done yet. If you follow that same mathematical curve, it gets worse. The next generation after alpha, what do you think it's going to be? Beta? Let's just call it beta, right? Generation beta, follow that same mathematical curve, 82.2% will identify as LGBTQ. Continue following that curve in the next generation. This is by 2060. Listen, that's only 37 years from now. Generation Charlie, 100% of the kids will identify as LGBTQ. That's what you're up against. You're up against a world that is deceiving the children. From elementary school age, they're purposefully deceiving the kids and trying to turn them. We just passed in Washington State a demonic law that gives the state the rights. If the kid wants to transition... He can claim he's in a household that does not support him and they're abusive. 
and the state will allow him, no matter his age, in elementary school, to be put into a care home and go through the transition that's needed to become whatever other gender he feels that he or she feels that they need to become. The kid could be taken away, understand, taken away from their parents without their parents' knowledge and be put into this transition safety house. That's what you're up against. Hopefully the rapture happens long before this. Listen, mothers, but not just mothers. Your children may be grown up and old and moved out of the house, but you might have grandchildren or great-grandchildren. Your children may still be with you. What are you teaching them about who they are? about who God created them to be, about who they are in Christ. What are you teaching them? Are you seeing what's going on in the world around you and wondering about how it's going to affect your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren? Wondering what they're being taught in schools? Because if you're not upset about the way things are going, then will you ever be? I mean, if you have kids in your own family they're coming up to you and telling you about how, hey, I'm in love with, you know, a girl telling you that she's in love. I mean, we've had people in our own family, you know, talk to our kids and our kids come back. You won't believe what she said. She's in love with another girl and she wants to do this and she wants to do that. And all these weird things that are going on in, you know, other sides of the family. If you've got no one speaking into that and telling them that's wrong, no, 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 sorry. Like I saw a little cartoon. It looked like it was from 1950 something. And, and the little boy and his mom, they're working in the kitchen and the boy goes, I think I want to be a girl mom. And, you know, I think I'm a girl mom. And the mom says, no, you're not son. Right. It's as simple as that. What are you teaching them? Are you concerned about what they're being taught? Does it anger you at all? Does it upset you when you hear about what's going on? Because if you, if you aren't worried about where your grandkids and your great-grandkids are, what's happening, what they're being taught, and what's you know, in their households, if your thought is, well, say la vie, right? Or, you know, hey, to each his own. You've got your own choices to make, whatever. Well, then what they're going to remember is, is that you supported their decision because you never said no. But if you're a godly Christian mom, you can't support that. You tell them, listen, I love you. I would give my life for you, but that's a wrong choice. That's what love is. Love does not say, yeah, do whatever you want. I don't care. I love you. Do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you feel good. That's not love. That's the opposite of love. You don't care for them if you tell them that. You don't care at all. Love says, hey, no, 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 no. That's wrong. I'm concerned for you. I care for you. So no, that's wrong. Don't, 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 don't. That's not who you are. You don't need to do that. Right? You don't need to do that. So what what should we do, moms? Well, first we need to build a home. Right? You've done that. You build a home and then you create a person. Your kids. Right? You speak truth into into their lives and you set the example. Well, what's the example that you're setting? Well, the example that we just read. Right? The example that we just read in Proverbs 31. Right? It all speaks into what? It speaks into your character. And the example that they're going to see. Right? Because character counts. Not your reputation, but your character counts. Your reputation doesn't matter. Right? It's not your beauty. It's not your charm. Those, it tells us right here those are deceitful and vain. 
What counts? Your character. It's your character that counts. It's what a mother is clothed with. She is clothed with her character, strength, and honor. Right? That's the character of a godly woman, a godly mother. That's the example that your kids need to see, that your neighbor kids need to see, that your grandkids need to see, that your great-grandkids need to see. Right? A mother that is clothed with strength and honor, integrity and compassion. Right? So fight for the lives of your children and for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Protect them. Be loving. Be truthful. Right? Show integrity. Show commitment. Show compassion. Show strength. Show honor. Let them see these things. It tells us right here, a mother who fears the Lord is to be praised. Show them a mother who fears the Lord. Right? Mothers, so then cultivate within you certain habits. Right? Not just for yourself, but for them. Right? Which one of the things that you can do is always keep your Bible open and always keep your Bible near. Because that's what you go to for your answers. That's what you go to for your wisdom. It speaks, says, moms speak, right? She speaks with wisdom. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Well, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When moms are speaking with wisdom, they're speaking from, should be, God's word. Right? So keep your Bibles close. Instill in your kids the wisdom of God, the word of God, and teach your kids that they are what? That they are fearfully and wonderfully made and that they're not a mistake. God did not make a mistake. You've been created by God to do great things for the glory of God. Because if a mother doesn't teach her kids these truths, then the world will teach them its truth which is not a truth at all. And the world is not of God. It does not love God. It does not fear God. And to put it mildly, the world does not care or love your children. God does though. So teach them that. Teach them who they are in Christ Jesus. Proclaim the truth of God's word. Never waver or turn from it, no matter the cost. The mother who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for our mothers. I thank you for my mother. I thank you for my wife, who is a fantastic mother. I thank you for all the mothers here, Lord. And the strength and the courage and the wisdom that they have that is through God's word. And I pray, Lord, you continue to strengthen them so that they can stand firm in the word and continue to instill it into their kids so their kids will one day instill it into their kids. And we will, Lord, fight against what the culture is trying to do to our children. We will stand up for what is right. We thank you, Lord, for this. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.